Welcome to the First Time Moms Beyond 35 podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Prosper. We're in season four. If you're new to this podcast, so glad that you found this community. In today's episode, I'm speaking to a previous guest from season three, R.H. Minotti, a DC-based mama of two boys. Today, you're going to hear about her postpartum experience. She's opening up with raw details. And if you have been through this, you will relate. Take a listen. talk about pregnancy. I'm here today with R.H. Minati, and I'm so glad to have you back to share um, the crude side, you know, the difficult, the hard side of postpartum. That's um, most people, you know, they, they haven't opened up to share a lot from reading your blog. And I would love to learn more as you share this with our group. So thank you. Thank you for being here today. Um, thank you so much for having me, Isabel. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's talk about your pregnancy. What was the the experience like during those nine months of pregnancy? So I had really wonderful pregnancies. I had two pregnancies. Um, the first time I got pregnant was in 2008, uh, 2019, 2018. Sorry, I, we got pregnant in 2018, had our baby in 2019. And it was a wonderful, magical pregnancy. I did a lot of meditation. We mm-hmm. lived in downtown DC. So I was walking everywhere. I was working out every day. And it was incredible. I was one of those um, very lucky mamas who hardly had any type of symptoms the first trimester. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start feeling anything until my second trimester no complications. We um, had a full term baby. And yeah, it was it was wonderful. I will say there were definitely hormone fluctuations and Mm -hmm. a lot of emotional outbursts, which my husband had to manage and deal with. But overall, it was a wonderful pregnancy. Mm -hmm. That's very fortunate, because a lot of people have uh, a lot of difficulty. I mean, you didn't have morning sickness, it sounds like even you didn't have that. I did not have morning sickness. <laughs> and actually, it really frightened me because I was worried. You know, you go down the Google rabbit hole. When I Googled it, it said you might not have enough HCG hormone and that's like a bad thing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think this pregnancy yeah. is viable. But everything was great. You know, mm-hmm. um, my midwives and nurse practitioner who was I, I was under the care of, they said, you're doing great. Heartbeat strong. Like, keep doing what you're doing. So always really great. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, so you had a natural birth as well and a vaginal delivery. Is that right? I had an epidural, but yes, I did have a vaginal delivery with my first son. Yes. Okay, excellent. Um, so, I mean, that's amazing because you were already 40 years old and there's so much scare about the the, the journey um, at an advanced, what they call advanced maternal age. I'm not sure I like that term, but it is what it is. Um and so here you are going against the odds. That's, that's, that's awesome. Tell me what it is that you expected to happen after versus what actually happened. That's a wonderful question. I had set up everything. I remember we lived in a tiny studio apartment, but we had everything cleaned up. We had the baby's crib. I had the blanket set up. Like he he had a bunch of, you know, blankets. We got so many blankets from 
our friends, but I remember I had them folded and set up. Like, I want him to use these when he comes home. And then this the next week. And then this the, <laughs> the later week. I had everything set up. And uh-huh. the first week was unbelievably overwhelming for me. I'm somebody who I have always functioned on eight hours of sleep. And that lack of sleep really did something to me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he has a very small mouth, so he didn't latch very well. So I think that, you know, mothers are talking more and more about the challenges of breastfeeding. I definitely had those challenges. I remember, you know, the cluster feeding is a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. they just, mm-hmm. they're on the boob and then they won't get off and you're, you just feel like you're being held hostage. And then, right. you know, you haven't slept enough. Um, and I remember the insanity of just this idea, you know, you're told when you give birth to a newborn that for the first two weeks of their life, they have to be fed every two hours mm-hmm. around the clock. And I was encouraged by the midwives to just focus on breastfeeding, not even pumping actually. And I think that for me, that was, that didn't work. Um, I think that moms need to have the option of other ways of feeding a baby. It can't mm-hmm. just be all on us, you know, because mm-hmm. we have to heal after childbirth, you need to rest. So mm-hmm. I think giving formula is not the be all and end all. Um, pumping is not the be all and end all. Uh, you know, obviously, there are issues with both with pumping, you're going to have to also deal with possible um, oversupply issues, which everybody thinks that's a great right. thing, but like engorgement, mm-hmm. and mastitis, mm-hmm. if really rough. So for me, the first week, I remember when he arrived, you know, it was so magical. And and then I think you have these like, you know, happy hormones that are flooding through your body. Right. And then I would say that night when he wasn't latching well, you know, we had a really great hospital situation where my husband was able to stay the night with me, like the whole time Mm -hmm. that me and the baby were there, he was with me. So that was wonderful. But we were sort of thrust into this, you know, oh my gosh, this little thing that we have to take care of. And then the nurses were like, well, he needs to eat every two hours. And I'm like, but he's not really latching. What do I do? Right. You know, the nurses were wonderful. We had a lactation consultant come and, but I just, I still felt like I was in this dark tunnel all by myself. And Mm -hmm. that feeling grew and grew and grew. And I remember we had two baby showers. We had an American one and then we had an Indian one. Mm-hmm. And the Indian one had all these rituals. And and I remember my cousin was saying, you know, an Indian custom when the, you know, right before the mother gives birth, she goes back to her parents' home and she gets taken care of. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't need that. I'm like, I had such a wonderful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. We got this. We can do this. And yet I think that the, the lack of support in America, especially um, the lack of maternity leave, you know, mm-hmm. all of things sort of came to a head for me. I mean, I had 12 weeks off of paid maternity leave, which was great. But in terms of just being in this apartment by myself with my husband, with this baby, it's, it's not intuitive. Mm-hmm. Everything feels new and foreign and I felt like I was also mourning my old life. I I kept remembering this feeling of like, when can I watch a Netflix movie? It felt so far away <laughs> yeah. from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that feeling. Yes. 
And so the first week, my I was very blessed to have my sister come and stay with us in our tiny studio apartment. Um, but there was a lot of fighting between my husband and I because, you know, you love this little creature. And I'm like, well, do this. And he's like, no, I want to do this. And mm -hmm. it was just insane. And then I remember uh, there was one night where he was, you know, the baby was cluster feeding. My husband was awake with me and I just didn't want to feed the baby anymore. I was so frustrated with him. And mm -hmm. um, the next day my sister was leaving. And before that, I started having intrus intrusive thoughts about the baby and they started to make me feel really scared. And I also felt evil and bad mm -hmm. and I didn't want to talk, tell anybody what I was feeling. You know, I kind of alluded to it with my sister and she's like, no, it's just because you really love him or you're afraid. And I'm like, no, it, it actually, I think it's different. It feels different. And I remember the morning that she left, I just couldn't stop crying. I felt terrified that this person that knew how to take care of a baby, my sister had three, uh, you know, children of her own. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was, you know, this person who kind of like could crack this code that I couldn't figure out. Me and my husband couldn't figure out was leaving and I couldn't stop crying. And I remember some of this is a blur, but I do remember that I was um, in communications with my doula and I was texting her something. And I said something about how I looked at my baby and he felt like a stranger to me. Mm -hmm. And she immediately, like, that was like a red flag for her. And she called the midwives who were, you know, taking care of me. And I remember that I got on the phone with one of the midwives and we talked through a few things. And she said, you have to call, you know, you have to check yourself into an emergency room. Right. And, and I how remember, many weeks, was this one week, two weeks? How many weeks is this after leaving the hospital? It was about five days after leaving the okay. hospital. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, it's like, I'm still wearing my, you know, postpartum diaper. I've still yes. got like bandages on my wrist from the IV. There's no bone in my body that wanted to go back to a hospital. And also like the ER to check myself into where, what, what does that even look like? It was just so scary for me. And, and so I remember having a conversation with her and then they got on the phone with my husband. Um, I couldn't stop crying. And then at that time, my parents were arriving because they were sort of going to take over care, you know, after my sister left. So they arrived in the midst of this chaos, you know, where I'm just having basically a breakdown. And, and at that point I told my husband, I don't trust myself to be around the baby. So you have to take the baby away. And, and he, to his credit, he didn't say a thing to my parents about what was happening. I, I would have told him I'm very open with them, but he mm -hmm. was very protective over me and him and the baby, you know, that it was, that it was us. And, he didn't say anything. My father thought I was crying because I was having, you know, latching issues. And so there was, there was all of this stuff that was going on. And then I just remember going on a walk with my husband and we walked through the park that we first walked through when we went on our first date. And I remember just feeling so out of my body and so scared. And I remember hugging him and inhaling him. And that was very grounding for me. And I told him some of the feelings that I was having toward the baby. And I was like, do you hate me? And he's like, no, I'm like, I, he's like, I love you. Like, you know, and it was, I, I was, I was like completely stripped raw and bare. And yet he still came to me with love. Um, 
So anyway, I ended up staying with a friend of mine that night just so I could get like a full night's rest. And then they started giving the baby, you know, some over the counter formula, which was very heartbreaking for me, but it was the best thing for me and the baby, you know, mm-hmm. at that time. So I went and I stayed with my friend and she was wonderful. And then I just remember still just like, what is going on? I remember I watched a Netflix movie with her. I was like, I really want to watch a movie because it felt like yes. I couldn't. And you need relief, it sounds like. I did. I needed yeah. some semblance of my old life back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was it. You know, I, I watched Netflix and then I, I went back and there was some tension between my husband and I because he didn't fully understand what was going on. And I couldn't communicate what was going on. I had no idea. And then I remember we both went to see my therapist. So that weekend, you know, I'm like, I think I'll be fine. I'm just going to, you know, sleep at my friend's house and everything will be fine. And I remember I I went and I spoke with my therapist and couldn't stop crying. I was just a wreck. And she said to me again, exactly what the midwife said. She's like, you need to check yourself into an ER. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, and then I did, we didn't have a car at the time. So my husband and I, we took like an Uber or Lyft and, Mm -hmm. We checked ourselves into the ER. And oh, he went and as well? He came with me. Yeah, he came with me, dropped me off. He stayed with me until we did my intake. And then and then that was it. And were, um, now were, you, were you scared in this process? Or were you more thinking about you just needed a solution? So there was like, there's no fear. You're just following the guidelines of what, you know, you've been told to do. I think I was... I was terrified. I did not want to do it. But I also am a very, I feel like I'm someone who likes, I'm very prescriptive. So if somebody's like, if you do this, then this will happen. Or Mm -hmm. so I, and I trusted my therapist immensely and I trusted my husband and I, I wanted to get better. And I didn't know if I, I, I think the biggest thing was I had so much fear around being around my son. Like I didn't want to be around him. I didn't want to hold him. I was so scared. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, this fear um, is worse than the fear of checking into the psych ward. And so definitely there, there was a lot of hesitation on my part, but I think because I wanted to be a better, I didn't want to feel what I was feeling. I didn't want to feel those intrusive thoughts. I wanted to be able to take care of my son. So I went to the ER. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what comes to my mind, and you did the right thing, of course. But what comes to my mind, and I'm sure probably a lot of other new moms have had this thought. And I can say this as well, because, you know, I had fear with my daughter, even even when we reached the four month mark, I was afraid of taking of like her getting hurt on my time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll share this story that I actually called the, I called 911 a couple of times because I was so terrified that she had stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. And after the second time I had called, I never, I didn't want to call a third time because I was afraid that if I call for help, they might think I'm an unfit mom. And this is America. I don't want to risk losing my child if that's, you know, I just, I had those thoughts. And so, so I wonder, um, and when I say losing my child, I mean like the, 
the, the, the thought or the threat of some social worker coming in and saying, you don't know how to take care of your baby, you know? And so that's what comes to my mind when I'm thinking about this postpartum experience that you were going through and then having to get yourself checked into ER. Did you ever have that thought that, that someone might think you are not fit to be uh, um, the mom? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. And even though you are, you just needed to be, you know, nurtured through that process. But it's like, imagine how many other moms are not checking themselves in for that fear of losing the child. Yes. And, and the judgment and yes, the, you know, yes. Childbearing has been, you know, around since humans have existed, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard now? Well, the reason why it's so hard now is because the support is not available for mothers the way that it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had those fears. I had fears that I was going to check myself into the psych ward and then I was going to be released and I wouldn't have gotten better, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it would have all been a waste. And I remember, you know, I was still wearing my postpartum diapers and, you know, I was pumping and all of these, these, you know, it was, and, and I have a, um, a journal that, you know, they gave me a little notebook when I was um, in the hospital and, and I wrote in it and I want to share a few um, excerpts of that, if that's please, okay, but please, please yeah. do. My first entry was from June 18th and I gave birth to him on June 10th. So it was eight days after I had given birth, you know, mm-hmm. that I, you know, I'm back in the hospital. So there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of fear, but there was also this, you know, I had always, and I mentioned the blankets before, before our son was born, I had everything set up and then all of that was taken away from me. I remember um, when I came back that the blankets were sort of just like, whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. they were all a mess and they were just used however. And mm-hmm. I remember being like, Oh my Lord, you know, but all that was taken away from me. He was like on this, you know, terrible formula and because I had no control this, 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 like I was trying to, you know, manage it all. And I had reached a point where I couldn't anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when you reach that point, I mean, that's the point that you, you went to ER. Yes. Yes. Um, I went to the ER and I remember, yeah, they, they checked me in and all that. And I was really lucky because the person who managed the psychiatric ward of that hospital was also, she was an expert um, on postpartum, postpartum depression and anxiety and all of that. Yeah. I, it, it was incredible. But let me and, ask, before you, go, before you go on, let me ask you this question. Sure, when sure. you checked out of the hospital, did they say to you, call us? It, when you get to that stage of postpartum, because you might reach this stage. You mean after giving birth? Yeah, right after. Like, because you, you, you did not. You gave birth and then you had to check out. So when you're checking out, at least what I'm familiar with is there's a, they've got all the, they've got the sheets of paper and then yes. they've got tips and everything like that, right? Um, yes. Did they, they never mentioned this postpartum that might happen? So I believe that they did. And I think that when I was checking in with my doula and then she talked to my midwives, I think that's when the alarm bells were ringing. Mm-hmm. I think I might've even just like kind of glazed over Dimmed that. Over it. Yeah. 
I know that there was definitely paperwork and things that I signed mm-hmm. and, and, but I think I just felt very, you know, confident about that not happening to me. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about that help you got? So you got, you go to your, you're at the hospital, you get checked in. Um, yeah. How many days did you stay there? How many doctors did you see while you were there? Like, what was that like? Sure. So I, um, I stayed there about five days. I want to mm-hmm. say it wasn't a mm-hmm. full week. Um, and I know as soon as I got there, I was itching to get out, you know, when can I get out? When can I get out? Um, uh, you know, they gave me uh, certain medications. Um, uh, they knew that I was breastfeeding or pumping actually at that time. And so they made sure that anything that they gave me, you know, would be healthy for the baby and things like that. I remember just sleeping a lot. We didn't have our, I didn't have my cell phone at all. Um, although my husband could call me and he, you know, he'd check in and stuff, but remember they gave me, um, sleep aids. And then I had several sessions with the psychiatrist, this woman who kind of managed the whole psychiatric ward. And we talked about my feelings, my intrusive thoughts. And, you know, she talked to me about getting on medication. Of course, I was very reluctant to do that. Um, and then I just continually had meetings with her and, she talked about, you know, how I was feeling, like, was I feeling better? You know, what was, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how did I feel about going home? Did I trust myself? Things like that. And I think, you know, the questions that she kept asking that kept me there were, you know, do you trust yourself around your son? And until I got to the point where I said, yes, I, I stayed there. Um, and I, you know, and I think, the other lifeline for me, I, um, it was wonderful to just be able to disconnect and mm-hmm. sleep and mm-hmm. journal and read. Um, we also had group therapy sessions, you know, where, you know, all of us who were there spoke about what it was that we were dealing with. Um, and it was very humbling to see the array of mental health issues that people are going through. Um, and were the remember- others... But were the others postpartum or they had other mental health it was, issues? It was, it was other issues. I was the only postpartum okay. person there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, you know, one of the, the people who worked at the hospital who was leading these group sessions, she said something and I wrote it down in my journal. And she says, she said, active symptoms erode relationships. And for me, that resonated and it just told me, Oh, if I want to be a better person, I got to get this stuff under control, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this sort of, you know, yelling at my husband and being very reactive and not being able to stay calm. And I didn't have the tools available outside of medication to calm down. I really mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did go on medication. I've, I've been on medication since actually. And, you know, we got was breast, you know, when I came out of the hospital, breastfeeding my, my first son got pregnant with our second son, breastfeeding him. So I've been on it ever since. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so then do you attest to that medication for helping you um, in all scenarios throughout life then? Like this is help you to release stress in a way or like how do you think that it plays a role for everything else in your life sure it's interesting I I equate it to you know when you're you're 
I've always been somebody who's always taking vitamins and um, mm -hmm. I, sometimes I take them and I'm like, wait, this is not working. I don't, I don't need to take it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm taking this vitamin C and then I get really sick. I'm like, oh, it was working. I just didn't realize it, it was very subtle. Mm -hmm. And I remember mm -hmm. for me, when I was taking my medication, um, I don't, I don't think it was just, I think it was a multi-pronged approach um, to my care. It was a medication. It was, I, you know, went and I stayed with my, my mom, mm -hmm. um, took care of me um, in her house in New Jersey. So my, uh, my husband stayed behind and then me and my, the newborn, we went there and we stayed for about two or three months. My post, you know, all of my maternity leave, we stayed there so that I could get care. They lived in a That's house. Great. Mm -hmm. I could take care of the baby when I slept. Um, so it was that I still am somebody who um, feels very anchored by meditation. And so that's something that I, I use throughout my pregnancy postpartum. Um, and so what I'll say about the medication is this is when I realized I'm like, Oh, I think, I think it is stabilizing. I remember when I was staying at my mom's um, and my sister was there with my nieces and she left to go back to California. And I was dreading that. But I remember when she left, I was sad, but it wasn't this overwhelming grief. Like I thought it would feel like, and I think that was the medication. I also remember returning back to DC with my husband. It was the same feeling, this sort of, everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm on a pretty low dosage, but I'm still on it, mm -hmm. you know, definitely in, in conversation with my therapist about, you know, possibly going off of it or, um, you know, doing that in a, in a way that's healthy. But uh, at this point, I think, you know, with everything that the world is throwing at us with the pandemic yeah. mm -hmm. and, you know, we have two kids, mm -hmm. um, I still see myself as a, as a very, I'm an overthinker. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I marinate on things for a really long time. I can be very reactive. And so I think that me the medication really helps in that. And mm -hmm. I also still continue to lean on meditation to help with mindfulness and keeping me in my body and not thinking about the future or the past. Yeah, that's good. So I got to ask, um, because I mean, you know yourself, how you were previously before becoming a spouse before becoming a mom um were you reactive in other scenarios yes okay yes. okay yes and, okay and um and then um the other thing too when you're around family and you have like i just i it comes to my mind that maybe there's maybe there's a study that's been done i have no idea people who have like a village meaning a huge family and like a good network of people that are there to help. Like, you know, some people have family that helps them for the first three, four, five, six months, mm -hmm. you know, in a year where they're like in it helping full time, like families move in together to help raise mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, do those moms go through postpartum or not at all? Because there's so much support there. I don't so, know. Well, it's interesting because with my second son, I didn't have any of these symptoms. And what we did differently was we started supplementing with formula and my um, husband did all the night feeding so I could rest and, and heal. And then I went back, I immediately went back to New Jersey to be with my mom and, you know, she took care of me and, and my two babies. 
when I had my first son, there was no plan for me to go to New Jersey or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to figure it out together, me and my husband. And so I think my second postpartum experience was, was vastly different because the support Mm -hmm. was from the Mm -hmm. beginning. And I knew that it was going to be part and parcel of me, um, not going, not having that postpartum break and being able to heal and be healthy and not lose my mind. Right. Um, and I just want to read, you know, my, my, the first, um, journal entry that I wrote. Please do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, June 18th, 2019 back in the hospital. And I didn't know what that meant, but then I realized, Oh, I had, I was in the hospital eight days before giving birth to my baby. So Mm-hmm. Back in the hospital, I put it off, but I finally checked into the ER last night so I can get help and on some meds to be a better mother and wife. I feel so tired right now. And then I wrote a poem. Mm-hmm. In the morning light, I see your faces, strangers. You're not the only ones. I keep looking back at where I came from. Instead of getting the sun from you, my warmth comes from a deeper place. My love's only you one day. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that poem is about, but I think it means like, you know, getting this, like I, I consider my husband, you know, this like ray of sunshine, right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, us creating this family and kind of like having to go inward and be away from him. And then, you know, when I get help and I'm better, I can go back to my sunshine. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Have you shared that with him? With your I I did uh, the other week because when I was going to record this, I'm like, I really want to find that journal. Yeah, um, I haven't gone through that journal and I just want to see what I was writing in there. Isn't it great was... to go back and read this? It is. Yes. It is. And and I do remember how afraid I felt and how uncertain and, you know, what is, will, will this help me? And it did. Mm-hmm. I I remember the psychiatrist asked me, like one of the, I think it was like the fourth or fifth day I was there. Do you trust yourself to be around your son? And I remember saying that I did, but it was 50, 50, you know, mm-hmm. but I went back and, and then I remember my mom said, you can breastfeed him. I trust you. You can hold him. And I held him and all of these, you know, crossing these little thresholds, they felt so scary, but I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I think, sharing that very ugly truth, you know, my husband knowing about these intrusive thoughts and my mom even, um, but then, the, you know, still giving me love and support and then like kind of going back into, into my life. And, you know, I'm not saying that motherhood was a breeze because I was on meds. It wasn't at all, but it it felt okay. And it mm-hmm. felt okay that I had, you know, cried out for help and gotten help. Mm-hmm. And you did the right thing because God only knows what you would have done to yourself mentally had you not sought the right support, right? It could be, could have been, it could have been damaging for yourself and you need to be at your best so that you can have the care and everything that it takes to be a mom and a, and a wife. Yes. According to the NCBI, one in seven women can develop postpartum depression. If you are going through a similar experience, more severe or less, it doesn't matter, please seek help. You should not conquer this on your own. See the resources in the liner notes.
And to connect with RH Minotti, you can find her on Instagram at babiesat40 and babiesat40.com. You can also find this podcast at First Time Moms Beyond 35 on Instagram. Again, thank you for being here. Please go ahead and share this with a friend. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review. First Time Moms Beyond 35, we got this.